0: Urbanism Speakeasy is an internet broadcast that knows how to use children and their moms to make great things happen. Welcome to the Urbanism Speakeasy, the podcast focused on human-scale design, planning, design, and engineering issues that impact all of us, discussed in plain English.
1: No degrees or silver spoon pedigree required. Now, here's your host, Andy Baino.
0: Dina Driscoll and <laughs> Marnie Duffy. I, uh... yeah, I cat not attack. <laughs> it, had to, it had to happen. I so, had the
1: cats.
0: Dina Driscoll is the cat abuser and Marnie <laughs> Duffy is the peacemaker. We know, we've know we established oh. that.
1: Marnie yeah. just throws cats out. Yeah, I don't, <laughs> I don't, yeah I'm definitely the abuser.
0: And Dina, yeah, Dina despises cats and technology, we've learned already. Yeah. We've learned a lot, and we haven't even started. This is excellent. <laughs> so these two have a website that I came across, Give Mom a Bike Lane. But that's actually, that's uh, I'm getting ahead of myself already, because I've, I first crossed paths in the Twitterverse, um... I, well, we've until tonight, we've only crossed paths online between Twitter and email. I think it was Dina who posted a photo of young kids sitting in a bucket in the front of a huge bike. Um, the kind of bike that Americans look at and roll their eyes at, of course, generally. Um, but pictures of kids on bikes are like cat memes. You, you can't help but enjoy them. So even for the people that roll their eyes and think, do I really want to get out on a huge bike and put kids in a bucket? Uh, you can't help but love that stuff. So then I started clicking the links, and I quickly found the blog "Give Mom a Bike Lane." And of course, with my personal bias of making, wanting to make streets safe and comfy for walking and riding bikes, I was naturally drawn to that stuff and sucked into the little wormhole of uh, of that blog. So, and then Marnie, there's a different story there. She has a cloth diaper business, and she heard that I'm accident prone, so. That's where I think our <laughs> connection started. <laughs> but uh, obviously both of you were riding bikes regularly before the blog started. But I'm curious, I mean, I say that because the blog says give mom a bike lane. So you're already moms, you have, uh, you have bikes, you wish you had a, a place to ride. So was that um, an adult lifestyle change for, for the two of you? Or have you always been free to get around by any means available?
1: Um so I, in my early 20s, um, had a car. I did have a bike and I used it to get around, but I had a car. and I met my husband and he had a car, and we were one of those couples that had two cars. Um, we had bikes and we lived like in downtown Philly, and we used them, but we had two cars that we used all the time. And then, um, five years ago we went to Amsterdam and um, I came home pregnant. And, of course, I was like, I just need to buy a really big bike. Um, <laughs> this is normal, right? <laughs> um, but no. Really, we went to Amsterdam, and, like, I saw all these families on bikes, and I was like, oh, my God, when we have kids, I want to do this. And then, like, I come home pregnant, and I'm like, okay, I really want to do this. So, um, yeah, it was like a lifestyle change for me in my late 20s that I wanted to ride a bike all the time. And we, you know, we parred down to just one car and everything like that. So, for us, it was a lifestyle change later like yeah I biked but then biking became like the thing for me.
2: I was towed in a trailer behind my mom's bike as a little kid so that started for me getting around for transport purposes when I was little. Um, We we lived in a small town in Michigan and it was somewhat safe to do so and it was very flat Um, so I was kinda modeled that as a little one Um, and we moved to a Philly suburb when I was six and that was just different because there were more cars around. Um, cars moving much faster. You know, cars going, traveling through the town to get to different places. Um, more rushing, more larger roads with you know speed limits of 35 miles an hour, which weren't really typical when I was in Michigan. So that was just a different vibe. We were also older. Um, I don't remember my mom feeling as comfortable biking us around with a trailer there. And I was old enough that I couldn't really be in the trailer with my brother anymore. So bikes were a part of our lives, and we would it was more of a recreational thing. So we would put our bikes on the car and go to a safer trail, um, and then I got away from it, you know, once I was an older teenager and once I was a young adult, and then I got back into it. Um, I met my husband when I was trying to get uh, exercise again. I brought my mom's old road bike that she had actually pulled us around on. It had been in our basement for years and years, and brought that into a bike shop to get it fixed up, more so for fitness um, that wasn't for transport. And then that led to some triathlons and just, yeah, general fitness stuff. And then I kind of stopped once we had two kids. um, And then our neighbors got a bike for getting there, two girls around, eventually three girls around. And that's how we kind of heard about family biking. So that was when we got our first family bike, I think when our middle daughter was around two years old. So that's kind of how it all started for me. And now my life is generally transport. I very rarely go mountain biking three times I've ever done it. So for, for me now, it's getting me and my stuff and my kids from point A to point B. So you,
0: I'm going to come back to that transportation versus recreation. That's um, that's a good point. Uh, but let's talk about the blog. Uh, who, who do you see as your primary audience? Is it departments of transportation that build infrastructure or – is it other parents who want to get around safely with their kids? I mean, Marnie, you mentioned the issue of the difference between a small town where it's flat and cars are driving slowly versus coming to a place where there are a ton of cars and they're driving 35, 40 miles an hour. So I'm just curious, who's, who do you see as the number one audience?
2: I think that's a curious question because, well, Dina's the one who started Get Mom Bike Lane. I wasn't a part of it in the beginning. Um, I just came. Well, Marnie, you've
1: always been a part of my life
2: (laughs) (laughs) forever and ever. ever. Um, I just kind of like inched my way in because I was like, "Oh, that's really cool." Um, I don't even remember how it actually happened, to be honest. Um, So I think that in our brains, we're like, "Oh, we're talking to our friend," like we're talking to other family bikers. But then in reality, we're not. We're I think the truth of the situation is we are speaking to our friends and our our peers that are family bikers. But also, there's a much broader audience of. Planners, designers, engineers—just those people that don't think about the voices that we're representing and that we try to represent.
1: Um, I should also say, so Marnie and I run Kittical Mass Philadelphia here, and we—that's like our our nice side of biking, right? Like we don't want to—we don't want to be like these mean, snarky moms <laughs> with Kittical Mass. We want to be like really welcoming. This is where we're trying to get more Philadelphia parents to bike, you know. So we can't go on like critical mass Twitter and be mean. So this became like our outlet for all the frustrations we were feeling with like um, advocacy groups and our city and government. And we were like, we need to like get out this frustration. So this is like our place to shout without feeling like we are making our peers and other parents who want to bike like uncomfortable.
2: Yeah, definitely.
0: That's a good point though. I mean, there you, that, you have to have that outlet because if it's just, if, if you don't make a noise, then it's gonna be, it's gonna get lost in everything else, and then there, you lose that sense of importance. If it's, uh, if you're trying to get something where improved for the most vulnerable users of a street, whether it's you walking on a street or you're riding a bike, I mean, you're out, you're not protected by tons of metal, so you're vulnerable on the roads. But if you just kind of say, well, it sure would be nice if we had four inches of white paint down here. Could you please give me a bike lane? Uh, It's not going to be the same, right? I'm pretty
1: sure our local advocacy group would just really love for us to have that voice instead of the voice we we do have, which is very loud. And um, we demand a lot, but we're demanding a lot with the thought that we're building for the future and not for ourselves.
2: Kindness has only gone so far for us. Like, it's been really frustrating for Dina and I. Like, I'm generally not this aggro of a person, in general, like I'm not like I'm not this passionate about a lot of things, but it's been really frustrating to just be like, okay, there have not been any movements forward with the quality of infrastructure going on in Philly. Like the big announcement this year that millions of dollar or however however much money was spent and we got a big grant went towards Sheros, and we were just like, how? Why is anybody excited about this? Like, why are we celebrating this? You know, like. I'm sorry, no, we're not proud to be a part of this change that's happening. It's not even change, like, you know? And it's, yeah, that's kind of where this frustration has
1: come from. Um, It's the
0: the temporary tattoo of transportation infrastructure, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah, no, sharrows, um, particularly these were, um, the project that Marnie is referencing were green-backed sharrows, and they were called super sharrows, like, oh, really? They're green behind them? This is going to make, you know, the cars parked on either side of this street, and the cars in South Philly behind me like, say, oh, yeah, 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 go ahead, take that lane. <laughs> um, no. So we, that was a project that was um, funded through a planning grant our local advocacy group was part of, and um, they did research, and their research on it was that they polled the people who lived on the street, like, what would they like? And of course people were like, oh, yeah, we'd like, you know, slower traffic and things like that, but they also didn't want to give up their parking because who does? (laughs) You know, it's like, Mm -hmm. oh, and by the way, we're going to take away a parking lane. What do you guys think about that? (laughs) This is South Philly where people park, you know, like on sidewalks routinely and double park, like that's common.
0: (laughs) I feel your pain. I'm going through that same sort of thing, and I know, I mean, cities all over the, the U.S. are going through it, and it's funny to see or to hear people in other countries you know, what we, we learned our lessons 10, 15, 20 years ago. Why are you guys just now fooling around with stencils? How about if you do something dramatic, right? So it's, I mean, I, I hear you with the Philly stuff, and I've seen I've seen the parking firsthand, so I know it's a special <laughs> kind of parking that you guys deal with.
1: Yes. Um, I, like, literally, I can't imagine it. Like, so people park in, like, the middle of our main street, which is called Broad Street in Philadelphia, and I'm like, wow, like, I just can't picture it anywhere else. We're special here.
2: So there's just no enforcement. I mean, that's the other thing is we have this whole Unblock Bike Lanes campaign going on now between the parking authority and our coalition, our advocacy group, and it's just a huge joke. I mean, I call it a drinking game because I just think that in my brain, every time the Twitter hashtag comes up, they're just in their office.
1: The PPA, who's the parking authority.
2: It's just a drinking game to them. Like, they just think it's hilarious because nothing has changed we still have police i mean yesterday a police officer harassed one of the advocacy group employees like full-time employees on when she was riding her bike and told her that she shouldn't be in the road just stuff like that continues to happen so it's just like this general the lack of education and lack of enforcement of the laws that actually are already around so that's just that type of stuff's just yeah i'm just like really there's i know there's been slow movement but to see the parking authority and to see the cops still just not enforcing and not following their own laws has just been really frustrating.
0: Yeah, who will watch the Watchmen, right? Right.
1: Yeah, we got the PPA Watch here, which is a Twitter account who likes to point out all the flaws of the PPA, and he is certainly our <laughs> Watchmen.
0: Yeah. There's, a, there's a fun Tumblr blog called Cops in Bike Lanes from New York City. I don't know if you guys watch that, yeah. but that's yeah, good yeah. stuff.
1: Yeah, no, we definitely have a lot of cops and bike lanes and PPA officers. and Oh, and the big thing in Philadelphia is churchgoers. Um,
2: yeah.
1: On Sundays, there's churches that tell their parishioners to park in the bike lane. And you want to talk about broken mirrors. Once somebody parks in the bike lane, everyone's like, this is parking. And so um, we don't get bike lanes on Sunday.
2: We're well, apparently Saturday, too. I think it's a couple of temples that have in the agreement
1: as well. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, you're right. I just, I particularly bike past that one church, and I'm
2: like,
0: uh-huh. yeah. All this talk about sharrows and bike lanes and whether, and we haven't talked about protected bike lanes or that sort of thing, but it's it's all about riding a bicycle as a means of transportation, not recreation. So we still are seeing, even in cities, in denser cities or in denser suburbs, it's not just a a big city like Chicago, New York, Philadelphia, where people are saying, I want to be able to ride from home to work or something like that, but there's still that whole mentality of um, shouldn't riding a bike be all about recreation and you know yeah. put, your, put your bike on the back of a vehicle and then get to some destination and then it's okay to ride. So you guys are coming from a place where you're talking about day-to-day activities where you've got to get from one place to the next and it's a means of transportation. So who are the types of people groups that you are able to, to pull into your cause and and help you in terms of infrastructure because we talked about like public works or departments of transportation or we touched at those a little bit. They're usually in an office dealing with all kinds of things like street sweeping and traffic signal timings and stuff like that. So are there other groups that you guys are able to partner with to get this message going? Uh,
1: Yeah, we've been, you know, we've been working with fifth street, PAC, which is um, a political action committee, and they just formed here in Philadelphia. And, you know, so one of the things about Philadelphia that's a little different than most cities is that to implement a bike lane, it has to be, it's a political thing. Um, It's not a planner who has to say, okay, this is a bike lane and this should go here. It has to be supported by a council person. And so the realization is we have to get elected officials in there who are going to be on our side so the political action committee fifth street has been really phenomenal in the past couple of months and starting to you know raise money and um really press these questions to our upcoming political candidates in may Our uh is our primary for our mayor and because we're such a democratic city whoever wins that primary is going to win in november so it's you know really important that we find the mayor who is supportive um, and then there is going to be a couple open council seats, so they've been great. Um, our Bicycle Coalition does, I don't want to discredit them because we've talked a lot of uh, shit on them today, but they, they do wonderful work. It's just that it's much slower pace than anyone would love, and, um, you know, they're just so intertwined with the city that sometimes they can't, you know, they just can't be the radical voice of, like, yelling and screaming like Marnie and I can. So, Yeah.
2: Yeah, they're, they're definitely tied to the streets department and they have connections within all of, a lot of government uh, The advocacy group. Um, from what we've understood, their ties are so, like, they've been going on for so long and that there has to be so much tiptoeing around the city because it is so political that, like, they can't, for them to make any drastic steps or, like, put their foot down about specific infrastructure, they just would get... Kicked out, you know, that they wouldn't have a voice at all anymore. So that's been another really frustrating thing is that even as they've kind of welcomed Dina and I sort of into the fold, um, or at least welcomed some of our input, um, which we're like, we're very at the minimal. other
1: cafeteria table, like, they're like at yeah. the cool kid table and they like yeah. let us just sit right to the right of them. Right. And they can it's kind of tell that
2: you're we're going down the I aisle mean, with your tray.
1: Right. Yeah, yeah. They just don't trip us hard, like, just lightly trip us.
2: Right. Yeah, so that's been really frustrating because it's like, um, you know, we're kind of the ones that are doing it every day. You know, we're 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 cycling with our kids. I mean, I don't I work from home, so it's not like I'm commuting to work every day. But you know, my youngest is ridden on a bike with my husband in in the morning, and I pick him up in the afternoon. So there's that. But and Dina actually bike commutes almost every day. So there's it's just different. You know, like we feel like we're, I don't know, we just feel like we actually bike with our small children on Philly streets on an almost daily basis. And we've, yeah, it's just been frustrating to kind of not feel like that really matter- matters.
1: I, I should also mention that I live in the place in Philadelphia where people put their bikes and to, to come to and ride. So people, so I live in Maniank, which is like the, the only hilly area of Philadelphia. And people literally put their bikes on the back of cars and like come out here to ride.
2: I did it before when I was a recreational cyclist. I totally did.
1: It's great. It's hilarious because when I tell people where I live and they're like, "Oh my God, you must love biking from there." It's like, great. It's like, you know what? Actually, I'm petrified um, because you know it's only um, you know on Saturdays and Sundays when all of a sudden, like, there's you know hundreds of cyclists and you have that feeling of, okay, this is safe. I get to ride down these streets without bike lanes, without even sharrows, without even maybe a sign when there's no other bicyclist and that's where I'm like clinching, you know, my handlebars as I'm like flying downhill with a car who wants to go twice my speed. But um, it's really interesting living in a recreational place for bicycling. Um, I didn't expect it when we moved out here and then I saw it and I was like, Oh my God, this is crazy. Um, And I actually use a recreation trail for transportation. um, And that's still kind of scary. (laughs)
0: So that's a good segue to my next question, Um, the type of trails or whether it's an on-street path or using trails or combinations, I mean, you guys aren't coming at this as people who design the stuff, you come at it as people who use the stuff. So what are some things that as users of the street network that you would like to see, if it was up to you? I think people can understand loud and clearly what you're advocating for in terms of street design. Like you want to be able to move safely around in the streets, but um, we joked about <laughs> shares a little bit. Are there things like protected bike lanes that we're seeing more of in the United States, uh, or is it just a matter of simple bike lanes for starters where you have a travel lane, and then next to the travel lane is the uh, the bike lane, and then it's a parking lane? Or Are, are there things like that where you're specifically thinking of things that would be steps forward or is it at this point there's so much of a learning curve for politicians that you're you're putting all your emphasis on just the state of mind
1: the step forward for philadelphia is protected bike lanes hands down you know we've had chariots and um, painted bike lanes for years. Um, we are actually one of the earliest cities to em- implement them in the United States, but we do we lack a protected bike lane that you see in other cities now, in San Francisco and in New York and Boston and D.C. Um, so the step forward really for Philadelphia is protected bike lanes, and that's what we, uh, you know, put out there because protected bike lanes and a safe, you know, bike network is really important to Philadelphia if you want to get parents and children around. Um, The one, quote unquote, protective bike lane we have um, takes you from middle of nowhere to drop you off at a casino. (laughs) Um, Not even
2: the casino. It doesn't bring you all the way to the casino. It drops you off in a very awkward corner where you're just basically ending up in the parking lot.
1: So um, that, you know, this is like the first attempt at a protective bike lane and it's not even useful to really anybody, even the casino workers. Um, So, you know, that's the big thing here. Also, you know, Philadelphia needs to see enforcement of slower, you know, we have a lot of areas that already are slow speeds for uh, cars, but it's not happening, and so there just needs to be more enforcement. Um, Philadelphia is also really tricky. Our police are not allowed to use radar guns. Um, it is state police only who are allowed to use them, so there's just this lack of, like, you know, being easily able to, you know, point your radar gun and be like, okay, that person's clearly going 40 miles an hour in a 25.
2: Also, a lot of our main roads are uh, state highways, right? Tina, is that what they're called? Considered? Some like of them Ridge are. Ridge and Broad and.
1: Broad isn't Ridge Avenue is. I don't know where you were going with this, but keep going, and then I'll. But the just
2: time. like the um, the policing on those roads and the changing of the design of those roads makes things very difficult, right?
1: Absolutely, yeah. There's more complication when they are designated state highways as well, because then you know you have local government and you have the state government both involved in changing and planning and um, enforcement in those. So that's really bad. We also have a really underfunded streets department. So, you know, somebody was like, you know, a child could get stuck in your potholes and they are huge, you know, particularly this time of year with, you know, our use of like salt trucks and plows and everything like that. Um, yeah, so our streets apartment is severely underfunded and that's a big thing right now in Philadelphia. We need to fund the streets because, you know, we need safe streets for everybody. The cars need them, we need them, everyone needs them.
2: I'll give my two cents about infrastructure that I want to see. Um... I interviewed, video interviewed my eight-year-old today, my oldest daughter, about cycling in the city because she's on her own bike now and oftentimes is able to ride it uh, to destinations and back home. And I'll oftentimes I'll have her on the sidewalk and then on the street depending on the road and depending on the scenario and depending on what time of day it is. Um, and she basically said, to boil it down, she said that she feels like the thing that scares her the most is our busy streets because she's worried about getting doored and being hit by a car. So in that situation, you know, the dooring, we ha- like Philly's bike lanes are just in the door zone, um, and dooring happens super frequently. So I think we just need bike lanes that are buffered, whether that's buffered by parked cars. Um, that's, that's probably fine with me as a start, um, but I would really love to see separated bike lanes that are you know, not not sidewalks separate from pedestrians, separate from motor vehicle traffic. It's my my dream, dream big.
0: I like calling them door lanes.
1: Yes. Oh my god, ours are. You know, a lot of ours were implemented um, like over ten years ago. So some of them are really narrow too. So you're in like a narrow lane, plus you're at you know door zone. One of my favorite is we have this uh, street called Spring Garden, and it is two lanes of parking, and then four lanes of travel, plus a median in the middle, and then there's two bike lanes. And so it's a huge, wide street, and it's like, really? Really? Like, we couldn't get a projected bike lane here?
0: I should send wow. you guys a Google street view of it. There's a street that's not too – well, it's about 10 minutes away, I guess. It's design. it's basically a highway. It's not – it's a state highway, but it's uh, – I mean, on the, on a functional map, it would be called a highway. But mm-hmm. it's posted at fifty-five miles an hour. It's probably designed at sixty or sixty-five. But they have stripes on the outside and the shoulder, and these tiny little signs every quarter mile that say bike lane. Bike lane. Nobody rides in that. Oh, I mean, my even, gosh. yeah, even the hardcore long-distance cyclists are are taking the lane. They're not riding in there because it's just debris. It's not. It's not even a shoulder.
1: Wow. We we have a similar one. Have you ever been on Henry Ave, Marnie? On my bike? Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, exactly.
2: still alive. No, I have not.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's like another street you should Google Street View here in Philadelphia. It's called Henry, and there's miles and miles of bike lane on it, but it is a highway. People are going like 60 on it, and I'm like, who? Like no one, I've never seen anybody ride their bike on it ever. I have
2: seen people ride their bikes because that's the route that I took to pick up the girls from school, yeah.
1: Oh, that's right. Um, once, yeah, no. One, one time. One. <laughs> you know you're... what, actually, I, I saw a group of teenagers once on it, and I was like, oh, God.
2: Do your parents know where you are?
1: Yeah, well, there's there's a, there's a there's an agricultural high school on that road. So, like, yeah, kids should be using that road, but.
0: So let me ask you one last thing. You guys have been at this for a little while now. Um you especially Dina starting and then dragging Marnie in tow just like she was used to when she was a kid. Yeah. Uh, yeah. always being yanked against her will, fighting against the authority of Dina. I can tell.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Let me tell you, Marnie. Marnie was like, uh, "What is this want to crazy get girl on the internet who wants to, like you know?" A be my I friend. B get me involved. My God. And then, you know, like, any good cult leader, I was like, you should come hang out with us. We're so amazing. And Mari <laughs> just fell right for it.
2: <laughs> oh, man. It's so true. I was like, I hate groups. I hate committing to anything. I don't like authority. I don't like being in charge. <laughs> Wait, I and guess Marnie
1: Mar- <laughs> Mar- leads all those critical mass bike rides. She's like, I got this.
2: <laughs> You're right. I'm like, Dina will lead and I'll be next to her. <laughs> <laughs>
0: So while you guys have been at this, you got you've. I mean, some of this you've described how, what you've learned along the way, how you've had to be a little more polite with some people, and then maybe uh, more abrasive with others to get their attention. For for people in other places, especially around the United States, but in other in other areas that are trying to motivate their local leaders, what are a couple of things that you've learned that you would share with other people so that they can. Kind of do this, the kind of thing that you're doing, kick, uh, kicking the pants in their community.
1: One by a lot of stickers and put them everywhere because civil disobedience is the way to go. Um, yeah. I think I think one of the big things is actually um, saying to our political leaders is, hey, do you want to go on a bike ride with me and my child? Because if anything, that shuts them right up. They are not going to fight you on that bike lane because all of a sudden you brought in that you know secret weapon, which is your child. So yeah, then if anything, they'll just be really quiet or troll you on the internet, as I've learned. Yep. Yes, Marnie and I, Marnie and I are currently getting trolled by um, a councilman at large. He's adding us on... Um, he, he didn't want a bike lane, and, but he's very angry at us, I guess, in some way. But he's trolling us, and he's, he wants to be our friend on all social media now.
2: Well, we let, a, we let a critical mass group up the street that he was against having a bike lane on. We invited him on the ride. We wrote him a letter... You know, we tweeted at him a million times. We were like, we'd really want you to come out and see what this is all about. Um, we talked to our advocacy board about how we could reach him, and they were basically like, it's not worth it. Don't He's even crazy. try. <laughs> yeah, don't even try. So, yeah, and we sent him a little Valentine's message the other day, and we were like, we were like, Bill, we would love to go for a bike ride. I was, I was like, I'll get you some
1: heart-shaped balloons and some chocolates. Come and, come and ride on my bike. So... Um. Yeah, I think ultimately, you know, putting children out there, though, is, it's just like, it's, you know, it's this quiet weapon, really. It's, you know, they're really loud, actually. Yeah, they are. (laughs) Yeah. Politicians, um, I mean, how
0: many politicians hate kids, right? That's the, they have to kiss babies. They have to love kids.
1: And that's the thing, like, you know, you see me and Marnie, and, you know, right away it's like, oh, it's these, you know, entitled millennials or whatever, yeah. and then it's really just saying, hey, I'm, I'm actually also a mom um, who lives in this city, who works in this city, and I'm just trying to make a better place for my children and for families in 30 years. Um, in the 1950s, moms protested for stop signs and stoplights in Philadelphia, barricading streets, actually getting arrested. And these are now stop signs and streetlights that people are accustomed to having. And so basically, I just kind of see myself as that mom today. It's like, okay, we need to fight for these bike lanes and these protected bike lanes because in 30, 40, 50 years, this is going to be the normal for someone else.
0: So there's a Kickstarter for bail money for Dina. That's my takeaway. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, yes. <laughs> no, Dina's
2: too nice. I, feel like I, it's I think I nice. could talk my way out of it. Yeah, you would totally talk your way out of it. <laughs> be like, Come, I'll bring you to Smith Playground and you can go on the huge slide <laughs> exactly,
1: in um, in my spare time actually not my spare time, in my real life um, uh, I work at a, raising money I'm a director of development for this really amazing playground that was opened in 1899 in Philadelphia so it's like one of the first playgrounds in the country and we have a huge wooden slide from 1905 and it's been free for children um, since 1899 so we continue to be free and amazing, and like every child ever who grew up in Philadelphia, including Marnie, used to go to Smith Playground. Yep, all growing up.
0: Wow, yes. splinter free since 1899,
1: huh? We wax that slide. It's super <laughs> fast. You, yeah. Oh my god, it's like I scary went down fast. it in the dark recently. It was really <laughs> scary. It's
2: super fun. You should come to Philly and come on the slide.
0: I'll do yes, that yes. and then ride down the slide. <laughs> oh.
1: Oh, my God, that might be a little too scary for me. Really scary? It's, it's a 40-foot-long wooden slide. Like. Oh,
0: wow. Yeah, yeah this I'm going to have to check out.
1: Yeah, yeah, right. definitely Google Smith Playground.
0: Dina Driscoll and Marnie Duffy, I appreciate your time. So for the people that want to find you to, both for Give Mom a Bike Lane, I mean, I've said that a few times, but to reach out to you online or to find out more about your slides... What is the best place to reach yeah. you? Is it the blog? Is it Twitter? How should people uh, how should people troll you online?
1: You guys should definitely troll us on Twitter. Um, you can troll us at Give Mom a Bike Lane. Bike Lane. Maybe I can get that right one day. It's Bike um, Lane and then, mom, right? Oh, is it Bike Lane Mom? It is Bike Lane Mom. You're right. Yeah. Um, I wrote that. I should probably know it. Um, and then I'm Bike Momma as well. And Marnie's real life as a cloth diaper maker. Reborn is, clothing. Um, yeah. Reborn clothing.
2: You could just oh, like, bike lane moms easier.
1: Yeah, yeah. Just find us on bike lane mom, and you can listen to all the snark there. I just snarked <laughs> about our new upcoming. Um, we are unveiling bike share this spring, which is actually really exciting. But you know, the future for bike share for me needs to include you know family seats. So I snarked on them earlier that um, luckily there's two baskets, so my kids can ride in the. <laughs> the bike share baskets
2: not enough baskets for my family so you know I'm gonna be putting a child on the handlebars (laughs) (laughs)
1: that's your own fault for having
2: three I know right Oh, millennials gosh
0: I have two assignments for you assignment number one go to urbanismspeakeasy.com drop your email address in there and get all of this goodness right to your inbox totally free assignment number two Give mom a protected bike lane.